yesterday I had the good fortune to have a brief conversation with a radio DJ who started a hip-hop radio show on Vancouver Island. Hi, it's Drew Penner. I'm here with the Frequency Horizon. And I want to let you know that the program I was talking to this DJ about was called Kinetic Flow. Pumped out of that CHLY Studios in Nanaimo, BC. He told me their program was all about playing around with the idea of what energy is and getting that moving via powerful music and dope cadence. I couldn't help but think about how I've been lucky enough to try my hand at something similar. We're on show number five now, and just it's for more of an electronic and indie stance rather than what they were doing, strictly hip-hop. You know, starting a radio show and a podcast with an amorphous approach to fresh tunes and random audio clips is a lot of fun. And I have to say, thanks for coming along for the journey so far. So this week on the program, let sound once again take you to another dimension or help you tap in more intensely to the world around you. We have a Finnish journalist on a visit to Tofino reflects on a time before digital audio sound waves and he talks about his role in bringing them into existence. Los Angeles heavy bass music producers Terra Vita recall a stark naked dance music memory that sticks with them and we'll play a track that just dropped today. We have as well Luke in studio just arrived seconds ago about to have a chat that might get you on some edge and might get you chatting. I hope you'll enjoy it. This is the Frequency Horizon. What better way to start out than with the track called Go? This is Chemical Brothers of the new album. Enjoy. Here is now. 
brothers with go good way to start it off now we're gonna play excerpts next from dj orchidea's 2000 set at club ani in kuopio finland that'll help set the scene for a conversation that you'll hear playing with kale freud talking about a long and respected career in, in radio and print after studying journalism kale freud got a job at the Helsinki newspaper that was the beginning of the career that would take him around the globe and actually give him a lot of esteem in his native land. His boundless curiosity took him to the Amazon, Mount Kilimanjaro, Everest, and, believe it or not, North Korea. The man's reported, he figures, for more than 70 countries all told. And that includes studying everything right down to the life of an endangered Arctic char. In the 90s, he worked for the Finnish national radio, Ula, where he helped pioneer digital radio in Europe, long before satellite and internet-based varieties took hold here in North America. I sat down with him in Tofino before he jetted off to Mexico and found out about what it was like to work at the forefront of digital technology. I learned about just how far the medium of audio storytelling has come. And Kelly, if you're listening, down in Mexico, Hope you're having a good time. How does the state of journalism today compare to what it was like when you were a reporter? The largest change, perhaps, is the digitization of everything. Everything was done manually with paper and writing instruments and, and mechanical printing. And these days, everything is done with computers and equipment. The recording equipment for radio in particular uh, was was quite archaic back then. Some of the early recorders actually were spring-wound. You had to wind the spring to make the uh, reels rotate and you were able to do three minutes at a time. So what was it like for you, someone who spent years in 
print media in, in that sort of form, journal, journalism, uh, to move into being part of the genesis of digital radio. The material is the same, the technology changed. I haven't really kept up with the technology, but in terms of the material and developing the stories, ideas, that's still the same. Minä kuvasin ja leikkasin itse televisio-ohjelmia ja pieniä... My interest is less with the equipment. haven't really kept up with how the equipment has changed. They're, they're tools. Uh, my interest is the stories, more so. I... And the way we tell stories is evolving. I noticed earlier today you were on Facebook and there's all these new tools. How excited are you? versus scared or, you know, concerned about where these new storytelling devices are headed. It's just the evolution of the medium to communicate. Uh, and it's still early, it's growing, it's changing. It's a good thing. Next up, we have Club Cheval from the basement to the roof, the Oliver remix. And just in a few minutes' time, you'll catch some new music from Terra Vida and a chat that kind of has some really interesting and, uh, so should we say, scandalous descriptions. Just wait and you'll hear it.
feel like this is the part where you're partying in a multi-level club and you've headed from the main room and you're you're working your way up as the song's called to the roof for some cocktails and maybe the sun is rising you look out to the horizon possibly smoke or clouds or an amazing friend or something else a sweet moment at Chambla, a lot of people had that kind of a moment where they were walked into morning with a crazy concert and basically kind of wrote it out into the next day. That's when I sat down with Matt Simmers, John Spiro, and Chris Barlow from Terra Vida following their own high-octane performance at the Village stage. I asked them about what it was like to debut new material at the Kootenai Music Festival. Listen closely and you'll even hear Vancouver Island artist Neon Steve make a brief cameo, passing by on his way to somewhere else. To what extent is you find that uh, Chambla is a good place to debut some of that new material? I think it's a great place, but it's... um somewhat misleading because a lot of times stuff that works really well at Chambala doesn't work in like a normal club gig, right? Where like half the crowd might be, you know, co- hey, college hey, so students that are kind of coming. They want to hear Skrillex. Yeah. Yeah, they want to like hear, hear Jack U. Yeah. Like stuff that we do here kind of translates throughout the rest of the year. So like when, when, you know, when we get home next month or so, we'll release the live recording from the show and then everybody, you know, that's basically the stuff they're going to listen to from us for the next six months or so, so. Yeah, exactly. Why, why is that? What, what is the reason for that? To, to the uh, to, for this? The what's the reason yeah. for this? Uh, why to, this would be the place to release the mix, you mean? Yeah, why, a lot of artists do that. They'll record it and oh. release Sean Blanc. I don't know, there's just something really special. Steve. Neon Steve! What up, bud? How's it going? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with... Uh, fact that so many people have such an amazing time here that it, because it, it just becomes so special that you want you want to uh, remember that moment even as an artist so it's the one one of the few gigs you want to make sure you record every year because you want to, you also want to remember that moment you know I mean like uh, for example what was it, 2013 the naked guy oh uh, that guy came out of nowhere <laughs> 2013 where I'm like we're playing and this we I, I over the big over the bass over like all this heavy like crazy rumbling bass I, I on the stage I just hear this slam like I feel a slam and I'm looking around like what the heck was that let the boys be boys and I look over to my left and there's just this totally naked dude just like sprawled out on the side of the stage he, was very he had naked. jumped from the balcony of the village, like no, he cl- he climbed up the side. Oh, he climbed the side through the side through the waterfall, and then got on the speakers and came running across the speaker stack, and jumped and then hit his head on the chandelier thing, and his feet went up and he just landed from like ten feet in the air on his back. I, I, all I, I just turned I hope over. that guy sees this and goes, was that, <laughs> that was me. Guy? That was me. I was that guy. I was, I was the guy. naked guy. So on the recording, the reason I'm bringing this up though is that on the recording you can hear him go. Shablo, what's up? There's a naked dude on stage. 
And the and the best backstory about that is that the crew, the village crew, this is how dedicated they are. They're trying to help us, you know, make sure this guy doesn't gets off stage. And he's, but they they don't want to touch him, right? So they're all kind of like, shoo, shoo. It's just like not not, not only is he naked, but he's probably he's been probably like li- living on the dirt, in the dirt pile, sleeping in the. Sleeping they, in the bushes. They're trying to get it. They're trying to do like, I don't want to touch you, but you get to go. Because really you know that if you're naked on stage at the village at like 2 a.m. on Sunday, that you're definitely in a special place. Very special place. If you go on Terra Vita's Facebook page, you hear quite a bit of chatter still about waiting for that mix, the Shambhala mix. Everyone's pretty excited about it. In fact, it was released around this time last year, the 2014 one. But uh, with all the media buzz today about the U.S. presidential candidate and GOP megatroll, Donald Trump's comments just last night promising to ban Muslims from entering America, I think their new track, which dropped today, is very appropriate. So we've got brand new music from Terra Vida, as I said, launched just today, that elevates the discourse, surprisingly, through the medium of trap music. It's Terra Vida featuring Bear, Drop bass, not bombs. The world's burning. When will it stop? It's not just France. It's not just the Middle East. It's everywhere. There's no winners. It's all losers. Somebody needs to stand for something. Pick a side. Pick a side. The world's coming. You say it's a holy war. I call it dysfunctional. It's every religion. It isn't just Muslims. Catholics seem to forget the Crusades. When the Pope Robert had a double decided they should be afraid. Christians jumped in the bandwagon and started an inquisition. When we see that it isn't religion, it's just the human condition. Man against man, against woman and child, a father, a brother, a mother, a sister, a son, and a daughter profound. Trump base, not bombs. Trump base, not bombs. Drop bass, not bombs
lights, I see red Music stops, he wept and she fled And they aimed and they fired 87 dead This is not war, this is senseless This is not settling scores, these people defenseless There was never supposed to be blood on the dance floor This is just how they oppress us That was Terra Vita featuring Bear, Drop Bass Not Bombs. And now we have our track of the week. I've been wanting to play this since the first day I started my show and long before. I personally think it's the best surfing song of the year. It's Renee LeVice, The Calling, featuring Ivy Myrie.
that was Rennie Levice with the calling. Up next, we got Julian Sego, Avion. A little bit of a nice, intense instrumental build. Hope you enjoy this. This one goes out to James in Calgary. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you like the intensity of it, and I hope you have a great birthday. to my attention by his boy Ryan Green thanks man he says I've known Greg since freshman year of high school and watched him work on music day in and out 
make real good music that makes you still think but you can bump in the whip. You feel me? Actually, I do. That's why I'm going to play them. Hope you enjoy it. I'm in a writer's mood, no blocks, straight off the block. They hate on my name, but they stay on the top. Makes me wonder, when are they gonna stop? Probably never, it's probably for the better. How come when I ain't round, they got a lot to say. But when I am round, they get out my way. They always wanna talk, but they never wanna dance. Always wanna throw tantrums, but never wanna throw hands. I mean, I guess those questions were rhetorical I don't have room to brag, I barely have room to store it all I mean, just last year I was using the PlayStation Portable Had to use that shit cause it was all that was affordable This year I've been balling compared to what I had Still have much but my girl and my pack Guess that's why I'm afraid to lose a thing So I hoard it all, work so hard That everything I do is historical Poor Greg, the black sheep, everybody feel bad He went through a lot of shit, that's why he's still mad But nigga, I ain't mad, it's a game I'ma kill that and make sure the rest of society Can feel that like my past loneliest The motherfucking coldest shit Make me throw my shit up like a motherfucking poker chip I used to say I never cuss in my rhymes I'm over that shit, I'm getting older And as I do, I'm speaking bolder shit I don't care what anybody thinks about me Nigga braided in a song, nigga sing about me Still got my tongue in between my girl's teeth Still got these lines hitting all these dope beats I mean really, what you gonna show me? That's hotter than the shit that I cooked them in 03 I mean really, what are you gonna show me? That's hotter than the shit that I cooked them in 03 I don't even use my notepad anymore I use my phone bitch and still gotta flow like a train track I flow switch like I can do anything that I want and these niggas couldn't do that even if they could Coming out the hood like Red Riding Well all these bloods throw signs like they Red Riding Man fuck any gang I'd rather go to Red Robin Spread love fuck hate catch souls not bodies Woo! I swear this is the making of a legend have niggas sweating like Megan with Drake and Josh Since back in the days when me and Josh were chasing thighs My brother always told me he could see it in my eyes Had a meaner flow when I was only 13 Back when the streets hurt when I was thirsty Now I'm such a boss with a laced up tie So when I serve these niggas I call it patronize Ooh. And that's the reason why they hate this guy The answer to when I said earlier why When I ain't round they got a lot to say But when I am round they get out my way I'm in a writing mood No blocks Straight off the block They hate on my name But they stay on my top Makes me wonder When they're gonna stop But if they're anything like me They won't stop Those Greg Sharp blocks And now we're gonna rewind a bit. There's a little bit of experimental sound from the 1980s. Gotta be honest, I've been on a 1980s electronic tip for the last week or two, going deep and dark into the annals of experimental fusion. You gotta keep in mind, they didn't really have synthesizers the way we do now back then. They were just coming out, experimenting with how to infuse that into pop music punk, new wave, all these ideas, concepts were converging. So what I did is I headed over to archive.org, the internet archive, and 
found just reams and reams of this kind of found music. Experimental stuff that, you know, you might be high to listen to it. You might not be, but uh, let's be honest. It's not something that you're going to hear on a top 40 radio station these days or even back then. This one here is called Drivel One. And I have no idea who it's by. experimentations produce more popular variants but with just as much of a punk ethos guys I fell in love with Devo in the last couple weeks which is surprising because I never thought I would so here's one that came out Hello. in the early 80s enjoy it's called this Time Out for Fun
Devo time out for fun. Welcome back here. We're in the Tough City Radio Studios. I have Luke Bebo here. He actually just made it from Port Alberni not too long ago. A little bit of a treacherous drive, I know, but uh, you know, we made it safe and sound. How are you doing today, Luke? Doing great. Thanks for having me out. Now, Luke is someone who works on traditional Aboriginal knowledge mapping projects with the New Chalinus First Nations on the west coast of Vancouver Island. Very exciting stuff. And he recently moved to Tofino from Calgary. One interesting thing about Luke is that he didn't buy shampoo until he was 22. Now, that's not because he didn't shower. Let's be honest. I'm going to take him at his face value for that one. But uh, why, why, why haven't you bought in shampoo since you're tw- until you're 22? I just, uh, I think every, every kid, you know, you go on hockey road trips and tournaments. Um, I definitely like to raid the hotel made cart um, and take those home. Um, I guess a cheapskate more more than a, more than a, a dirty hippie, I suppose. I think I think that's like we could package that as like a, a pro tip, sure, like a frequency horizon pro tip. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So so welcome. Thanks for coming in. Life hacks for des- desperate times, right? That's right. I think there's a lot of uh, desperate times calling for desperate measures uh, that I've heard of happening in Tofino, and a lot of ingenious people. You know, you know, just go on Life Hacker. I'm sure that could be its own article, right? Definitely free tips. So the reason that we wanted to kind of uh, bring you in today is that you know we like to have engaging discussion, you know, interesting topics and everything else on the frequency horizon. And, and we're here in Tofino, and you had a particular bone to pick, and it, it did revolve around the subject of hunting. Now, I'll just just in all fairness, I will say that I've been out on hunting trips. I grew up in a part of the country, uh, northwestern Ontario, that it, it does run a lot of you know hunting tours and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but I personally have never shot an animal before myself and that's purely because i i kind of sucked at it the times that i did go out but uh you know what 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 was the reason that you went out on your hunting trip uh, there recently sure um so i guess last weekend i went up to gold river on the invitation of a, of a friend of mine a good friend uh he's a biologist up there with with the uh, new Channel tribal council as well um works mostly on fisheries projects and uh, the the chiefs of the Moachit Muchalit First Nation, which is the First Nation just outside Gold River, um, and for those of you out there who aren't familiar with the community, it's uh, if you were to head towards Campbell River and then drive west through Strathcona Provincial Park, kind of in the boonies for a lot of folks um, if you haven't been up island much. But uh, yeah, so I went up there on the invitation of, of my friend Roger, uh, this biologist, and he had been given a tag by the chiefs of Moachit Muchalit First Nation to shoot an elk for uh, the school lunch meat program, so to feed the uh, the students. And the elk on the island are actually huge. Um, kind of fun fact for you, the elk out here are Roosevelt elk, which is um, pretty massive. They can be like 1,000 pounds, so you're talking like 700 pounds of meat. It's a lot of lunches for, for kids. Um, yeah, so we went out there trying to get this elk. Uh, went out both Saturday and Sunday morning, get up at the crack of dawn, and, well, before the crack of dawn, really. 
And uh, we got out there uh, up on the Yukona uh, logging road, which was our zone, and uh, got out and towards this cut block. And I spotted a, a black bear heading out, and he booked it pretty fast once he heard us coming. Uh, you know, you don't get big and old by uh, by being dumb and hanging around the, the scene of the crime, right? Um, anyways, uh, we didn't see any elk, but we did come back the next day and, and found our, our friend the bear again. Um, and Roger did end up shooting it with a tag, of course. So, so okay, like take me through that for a second. Is that f- your your first objective there with uh, the elk? Is you're planning to shoot this elk to use it for, you know, these these lunch programs? What what would they actually be putting in it? You know, they'd be cooking this up or barbecuing it for the kids, or what was the original plan? Yeah, they'd be cooking it in the school for for lunches, uh, so that these kids who are going to school uh, right now, so that they they'd be fed through the school program. Like like imagine. Um, instead of going to a cafeteria and being fed, you know, like uh, the hungry man meals or whatever, you'd be getting some uh, some game meat. And I mean, that's for for maybe not for the entire community, but um, definitely for the Aboriginal uh, population of, of Gold River, that would be traditional traditional food for sure. So it would be a process of basically not only you know eating something that isn't you know part of the mainstream kind of food system. Um, but also, you know, teaching some type of, I suppose, cultural values to these kids. Is that fair? Yeah, and that's a good point, a detail that I, I forgot to include. Um, we were bringing out two students with us uh, on this hunt. So Roger teaches uh, students from the community how to uh, how to hunt as well, um, whether that's something maybe your family doesn't do. I didn't grow up hunting myself. My, my family wasn't into it. I'm from, I'm from the <laughs> city of Calgary, not from like the boonies, the not, the, not the rural parts, but... Um, yeah, so, uh, so you so you went out the first day, mm-hmm. didn't didn't manage to catch this uh, elk, and then they go you went and got the bear tag that night, or you already nope. had one, or already had one. Um, so I'm still an Alberta resident, so I can't hunt in BC. Like I, I couldn't shoot anything myself, but uh, uh, Roger had one uh, because he works on fisheries programs. There's lots of uh, fish usually, hang- or not fish, sorry, lots of bears hanging around the rivers during spawning times. So it's important to have a tag just in case, uh, in case there was a problem with the bear, for example. So you went back the next day mm-hmm. and uh, spotted the bear, and mm-hmm. you know killed it. And you know, what, how, how long did that take that day? How long was your second day? Uh, not too long, honestly. Got out there, kind of hiked in, probably about seven hundred meters, not even a kilometer, I don't think. Um, back to the same cut block, and uh, he was kind of hanging out in a bit of a hole. So you could just see them. And, and if they're a big bear, you, you don't see a lot of sunlight underneath their stomach. That's how you can usually tell whether they're mature. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was just creeping up and then seeing how close you get to to make sure you got a clean shot, right? You don't want to have to take more than one. Um, so and, and you can use the bears for the lunch program as well? Like, does that fall into the traditional no, uh, kind? No, no, they didn't take it for, for the lunch program, just the elk uh, for, for the lunch program. But mm-hmm. all of the meat was used. Um, I mean, the, the front two quarters were made into sausage and the back two quarters are becoming prosciutto right now. It's a bit of an experiment, but yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, but it sounds like you, you finished the hunt. It was a successful hunt and mm-hmm. it was, you know, done completely legally. And, and yep. it sounds like you lucked out. I think you were saying that uh, it does, it was a particular type of bear that you think, you know, it, it's probably better, better quality mm-hmm. um, because it wasn't, I think you said it, it doesn't eat, it, you thought it ate berries as opposed to. Yeah. If they eat fish, uh, it's. The, the meat's really not any good, so I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't kill a bear that that had been eating fish just because you you're not going to be able to use the meat for at least not for human consumption. Maybe you could feed your dogs, but I don't think that's a a great reason to kill an animal. To be honest with you, 
Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. It might be a waste of a of a bear, like a you know, of a bear to, to kill it, and then you can't even eat the meat. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so it sounds like you got back, and then that's when you know there's some type of you know controversial comments that you did receive, or what? What was everyone's reaction? Would you say? Ah, uh, there were a lot of negative reactions, and pretty pretty strong, I'd say. Um, I was kind of I was I was surprised to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I have a, a lot of friends from the the Russian community in Calgary, and and uh, it's probably one of the communities that, that's most commonly wearing fur. So I, I would definitely didn't expect anything from there. Um, but also just in general, I, I mean, I personally um, have a difficult time reconciling if you do consume meat that you'd have an issue with hunting. Um, I, I don't quite see the uh the lines of logic there but um yeah there was there's kind of an explosion I, I i posted a photo on facebook and uh maybe without the context of why we were there and why we'd gone hunting in the first place but and with the fact that we and i mean we really truly did use all of the animal the fat was rendered down the the fur is being treated it's the, the whole piece nothing's going to waste um but yeah i got some pretty strong flack to be perfectly honest on, on my return to tofino from uh, from gold river yeah, so it's, I mean, I've had my own kind of encounters with regards to, you know, bear hunting and mm-hmm. then um, posting a photo on Facebook that uh, maybe showed the individual who had, you know, who was in the photo with, with the bear, maybe a little bit more enthusiastic and excited, you know, than maybe was, you know, in retrospect appropriate. That being said, it did live a, a long life and, you know, it's it, it did allow a number of community members to eat meat that did not go through, you know, the sometimes shall we say questionable maybe a lot of the times questionable uh, food processing system that we do have in this country and north america and globally so um you know what are some final thoughts that you have that uh, you know the whole experience left you with and and do you have a message for people uh, who may not be as aware of um you know what goes into hunting in this province yeah i think um if if there is one big lesson it's just to uh, to be grateful for uh, for the things that you do take um, and not to waste anything. I, I think that's that's the biggest piece about respecting um, the animals and 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 the broader environment in general. Um, for me, it was a really cool opportunity to get to connect to to that area of the island um, and uh, and to get out and, and connect with the community. I meet with a lot of community members in my work, and uh, and it's a shared experience now that I I think I I have a little bit more in common just in terms of. Um, some different experiences. So that was a, a really cool one that I'm, I'm grateful for myself. Uh, but definitely I, I recognize that there's, there's, uh, some controversy and, and people, everybody's welcome to have an opinion, obviously. So, and I respect that. Um, but yeah, I, I would be maybe a bit more, more careful next time, uh, but especially just about using social media, um, in, in these sorts of, uh, controversial subjects. Yeah, it's a really cool lesson that you brought in about, you know, not just social media, as you mm-hmm. say, but also, you know, the connection that we do have to animals or to the land and to how sometimes we do manipulate that through a food processing system. And it is important to be thankful. And that's why the next song that we're going to be playing is by Royksop. It, it's, I believe it's their last album, which is crazy because they're an amazing group. And the song is called Thank You. <laughs> 